Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this inspiring TED Talks HCI podcast episode, I explore the recent TED video, The Secret to Giving Great Feedback. Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to be with you again today for this inspiring TED Talks HCI podcast episode. Today I'll be exploring the recent TED video, The Secret to Giving Great Feedback. Humans have been coming up with ways to give constructive criticism for centuries, but somehow we're still pretty terrible at it. Cognitive psychologist Leanne Renninger shares a scientifically proven method for giving effective feedback. Thanks for joining me, and I'll catch you on the flip side of this first clip. If you look at like a carpenter, they have a toolbox. A dentist, they have their drills. In our era and the type of work most of us are doing, the tool we most need is actually centered around being able to give and receive feedback well. Humans have been talking about feedback for centuries. In fact, Confucius, way back in 500 BC, talked about how important it is to be able to say difficult messages well. But to be honest, we're still pretty bad at it. In fact, a recent Gallup survey found that only 26% of employees strongly agree that the feedback they get actually improves their work. Those numbers are pretty dismal. So what's going on? The bottom line is that in today's world, in the knowledge economy, we need to be able to communicate effectively with each other. And a huge piece of that communication is giving and receiving effective feedback so that we can learn and grow. Uh, Unless we can continually be pushing the edge of our understanding and learning new skills and honing our competencies and capabilities, we're going to be in a really tough place when it comes to being competitive in a global marketplace, both a global labor market, but also the, the product market for our product or service that we provide. So ultimately, we need to be to hone our, our communication skills generally, our feedback skills more specifically. And she, as she mentions in that recent Gallup survey, only 26% of employees strongly agree that the feedback they receive actually helps them in their job. Now, I don't know how the rest of that breakdown was. Uh, Perhaps another 25% said they somewhat agree and and some said they were neutral. I I don't know what the actual mean score was on that survey. But the bottom line is that should be like the number one thing that we hone, especially as leaders, as supervisors, as managers. We need to be able to give effective feedback. So in this short TED video, she walks through some of the, the keys to giving effective feedback feedback scientifically proven methods that will help you hone your 
skills, competencies, and capabilities around feedback. The way that most people give their feedback actually isn't brain friendly. People fall into one of two camps. Either they're of the camp that is very indirect and soft, and the brain doesn't even recognize that feedback is being given, or it's just simply confused. Or they fall into the other camp of being too direct. And with that, it tips the other person into the land of being defensive. There's this part of the brain called the amygdala, and it's scanning at all times to figure out whether the message has a social threat attached to it. With that, we'll move forward in defensiveness, we'll move backwards in retreat. And what happens is the feedback giver then starts to dysregulate as well. They add more ums and ahs and justifications, and the whole thing gets wonky really fast. It doesn't have to be this way. I and my team have spent many years going into different companies and asking who here. Is a great feedback giver. Anybody who's named again and again, we actually bring into our labs to see what they're doing differently.、And、what we find is that there's a four-part formula that you can use to say any difficult message well. Okay, are you ready for it? Do you give brain-friendly feedback?、Uh, the the bottom line is most of us don't,、uh, despite our best intentions, despite our best efforts. And in this short clip, she talks about. The type of feedback giver who is just too general, too too passive,、uh, too soft in their approach, versus the feedback giver who's too strong, too strident, too bold,、uh, too too straightforward.、Uh, and the and the bottom line is everyone's different in how they give and receive feedback. And so I think half the battle is knowing who you're talking to, knowing your audience, and then providing feedback in a way that they are more likely to hear. For some people, that means you have to be stinking direct. You have to be really, really direct. For other people, if you are too direct,、uh, the the walls go up immediately, and they don't hear a word you say. So, audience analysis, I think, is really important here. Understanding who you're talking to, and that speaks to the 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 underlying issue of good leadership that you need to know your people.、Uh, you won't know how your team, how individuals on your team, like to be.、Uh, And receive how they like to receive feedback, unless you ask, unless you know them, unless you have interacted with them, and so get to know your people,、uh, tailor your feedback in a way that matches the how they like to receive feedback, and how they're more likely、uh, to receive it well,、uh, and then hone your approach using these four methods, these four tactics that she's going to be describing. Here we go. The first part of the formula is what we call the micro yes. Great feedback givers begin their feedback by asking a question that is short but important. It lets the brain know that feedback is actually coming. It would be something, for example, like, "Do you have five minutes to talk about how that last conversation went?" Or, "I have some ideas for how we can improve things. Can I share them with you?" This micro yes question does two things for you. First of all, it's going to be a pacing tool. It lets the other person know that feedback is about to be given. And the second thing it does is it creates a moment of buy-in. I can say yes or no to that yes or no question, and with that, I get a feeling of autonomy. The micro yes, framing the upcoming conversation in a way that is more brain-friendly, that allows for them to give a quick yes. Feel bought in to the upcoming conversation, feeling like they have autonomy, that they have power over the situation, that they don't feel cornered, that they don't feel threatened by what you're about to do. So, just framing a really quick: Can we chat about this? I want to discuss, you know, what just happened in that presentation or that conversation that we just had, or your interaction with that customer, or whatever.、Uh, frame it as a simple. 
micro yes kind of a question that will allow, it's an easy win, allow them to connect, to buy in. And at that point, you can move forward. Now, that is only the very beginning. That's just framing the opportunity. It's signaling that, hey, we're about to have a feedback conversation. And in part, just being able to have that awareness so that they don't feel blindsided, that's that's a big part of it, uh, but also just helping them feel connected and autonomous within that conversation that they don't feel as threatened. Uh, they, they feel like they are able to contribute to the conversation and it's not going to be unidirectional. The second part of the feedback formula is going to be giving your data point. Here you should name specifically what you saw or heard and cut out any words that aren't objective. There's a concept we call blur words. A blur word is something that can mean different things to different people. Blur words are things that are not specific. So for example, if I say, you shouldn't be so defensive, or you could be more proactive. What we see great feedback givers doing differently is they'll convert their blur words into actual data points. So for example, instead of saying, you know, you aren't reliable, we would say, you said you'd get that email to me by 11, and I still don't have it yet. Specificity is also important when it comes to positive feedback. And the reason for that is that we wanna be able to specify exactly what we want the other person to increase or diminish. And if we stick with blur words, they actually won't have any clue particularly what to do going forward to keep repeating that behavior. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. So giving specific feedback, I don't think that's a new tip to anybody. I think we all know that it's important to give specific feedback. Uh, as receivers of feedback, we want to know what the person is actually thinking. And so when they're super general, when they use blur words, as she describes it, then we don't really know what we tend to take away from that when it's more general and when there's quote unquote blur words is that this person doesn't like us. And it seems more like a personal thing. It seems like uh, the person might be out to get us because they're not actually giving us feedback that might be helpful that could allow us to change behavior. So be as specific as possible. Now, can we always be 100% objective? No, I mean, we're humans and we're interacting with other humans and we're in relationships and 
you know, perceptions are always subjective. And so it's not 100% objective ever. But if we can point to specific behaviors, specific outcomes, uh, specific issues or problems that came to your attention, when you can get specific like that, then they, they can work with it. And most people, not everyone, but most people, they want to improve. They're in their job because they uh, are happy to be there. They're, they're excited about developing in their career. They want to learn. They want to grow. They, they eat up and desire the coaching, the mentoring, the feedback that you can give, but only if it's specifically given, if it's, if it's timely, and it's actually deemed as helpful. Otherwise, people just feel like they're running around uh, trying to figure out like the hidden messages, the code behind the feedback that was given. And that's just a demotivator. The third part of the feedback formula is the impact statement. Here you name exactly how that data point impacted you. So for example, I might say, because I didn't get the message, I was blocked on my work and couldn't move forward. Or I really liked how you added those stories because it helped me grasp the concepts faster. It gives you a sense of purpose and meaning and logic between the points, which is something the brain really craves. So in the first two steps, you you signal that feedback is about to happen, that there's going to be a conversation. You go for the quick yes, the easy win, generate autonomy, buy-in. The next step, of course, then at that point, you give the targeted, very specific feedback, the data point, the specific thing that you're addressing. Now, in this third step, you're giving the impact statement. You're helping them understand the outcome of what they did, whether it's good or bad or neutral, I suppose, but the good, the bad, the ugly, at this point, you want them to be able to understand and connect through to the outcome, whether it was intended or unintended, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. They need to understand how, how their behavior impacts their coworkers, uh, their, the leadership in the organization, the customers, the clients, whatever, right? That any key stakeholder, whatever that interaction is, they need to understand why it matters. And so if they're they're really creating an unhealthy team dynamic, they need to understand why specific things that they're doing are undermining the ability of the team to be effective together. Uh, if they're not communicating effectively or they, they botched a presentation, they need to know specifically how they could do it better, what specific things didn't go well, what they can do to improve, and, and really how that's going to impact the, the team, the business, how it impacted them negatively because the, of the poor presentation and how a better presentation can impact things positively. So always connect through, uh, circle the loop, uh, have the feedback come back to some sort of an impact, some sort of an action, uh, and that will really make it more meaningful, more memorable, and ultimately it will increase the chances that your feedback will be effective. The fourth part of the feedback formula is a question. Great feedback givers wrap their feedback message with a question. They'll ask something like, well, how do you see it? Or this is what I'm thinking we should do, but what are your thoughts on it? What it does is it creates commitment rather than just compliance. It makes the conversation no longer be a monologue, but rather becomes a joint problem solving situation. But there's one last thing. Great feedback givers not only can say messages well, but also they ask for feedback regularly. In fact, our research on perceived leadership shows that you shouldn't wait for feedback to be given to you, what we call push feedback, but rather you should actively ask for feedback, what we call pulling feedback. Pulling feedback establishes you as a continual learner and puts the power in your hands. Creating commitment 
instead of compliance is so important. It's all about creating buy-in. It's about shared ownership, helping them see themselves within the conversation and that they have the autonomy, the capability to ride with the feedback and ultimately make a the difference in their own behavior, their own actions, their own attitudes, and how that's going to impact those around them. So make sure you follow up your feedback, the specific feedback, the impact statement, with some sort of a question where it's geared back towards them. What do you think we can do about this? What are some steps that we can take? If you just direct them specifically, you give them all the feedback, and then you say, now you need to do this, 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 and this, do these five things. Um, maybe those are excellent things. Maybe those are all five things they should do. But there's so much more power when they can come up with those things or at least uh, collaboratively with you come up with those things. So you ask a question, maybe follow-up questions. Maybe you have a, a conversational dialogue following the specific feedback that you just provided. So now they have the opportunity to feel like they are shaping the the direction of the the remediation the the correction that needs to happen the new training the the networking whatever uh, the case may be to improve their behavior to improve their attitude always always make sure that you bring it back to them and give them a chance to share their input and to feel bought in so that you can engender that commitment foster that commitment rather then making them feel like it's a punitive conversation and now they just have to comply with what you said because you're the boss. The most challenging situations are actually the ones that call for the most skillful feedback, but it doesn't have to be hard. Now that you know this four-part formula, you can mix and match it to make it work for any difficult conversation. It is true, we find ourselves in all sorts of different situations and some are easier and you give some nice positive feedback. It's That's not a hard conversation to have. People usually aren't uncomfortable when you're giving good feedback. Uh, but when it's challenging feedback, when it's constructive criticism, when it's uh, discipline, when it's termination in uh, communication, like these are all forms of feedback that can be really hard to do. So we need to be able to frame it and couch it in a way that's going to be helpful and beneficial, um, both in terms of our communication, um, but also for the person receiving it. I really appreciate the four tips. Now, there's no magic bullet. Uh, there, there's no um, fix-all to difficult conversations and communications. Uh, and, and so following this formula and just like going through the checklist isn't going to be the answer for you. But as you think about these principles and you start to uh, practice them and apply them, you'll start to see a difference. And over time, you can hone your feedback skills. Now, I'll come back to what I had started uh, saying at the beginning, and that is you got to know your people because some people want you to be more direct with them. Other people, uh, you really have to be careful because the walls, the barriers go up very quickly. So just know your people and then target your feedback, your message to them in a way that will be helpful for them. That's the mastery of leadership. That's the ultimate skill of what it means to develop the people around you. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. As always, I hope you stay healthy and safe, that you find meaning and purpose at work each and every day, and I hope you have a great week. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. 
Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.